All right, what's going on, everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from New York City. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. Beautiful people, I am fortunate enough to have one of my good friends and mentors, and there's a lot of other things I can say to laud this guest um, for what he's done to my in my career and what he's done to many patients um, in New York and beyond. I have Dr. Clinton Lee, DPT, DPT, Mr. Awesome, father of Caitlin Lee. What's up, Clinton? What's up? Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, I believe. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of hard for me to believe because you've been in the game for so long and you kind of pioneered what I, well, I consider a pioneering of powerlifting rehab and performance here in New York City. So I'm, I'm honored to be your first host, I guess. Oh, pleasure's mine, man. I, I appreciate the kind words. So I kind of skimmed the surface because I, I just want to get to the nitty gritty. Like you're a physical therapist, you specialize in powerlifting, you've competed in powerlifting. Um, you're also, just tell us, tell people who aren't familiar with you, like, you know, about your business, what you do, uh, what you're doing for fun right now. Let's just get right to it. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, my name is Clinton. I'm a physical therapist. I am the owner of my private practice called Physio Strength. Um, I work one-on-one -on -one with uh, what I like to call, like I'm gonna use air quotes here, recreational athletes, um, and particularly in strength sports. So I work with a lot of power lifters, uh, some crossfitters, some weightlifters, and everyone in between. Um, like. You mentioned Jordan, like I'm a, I'm a powerlifter myself. I'm currently on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, you also mentioned I'm, I have a daughter named Caitlin, so I'm a, I'm a new father and um, um, haven't been like powerlifting in, in recent months because I've been busy, but definitely plan to return in the future. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I guess I first got into this um, niche I'll call of, of physical therapy by um, kind of being like interested in powerlifting myself back in, I'd say 2014 or so. Um, I had just finished um, a season of Dragon Boat, which I can explain what that is later, but um, I finished a, a certain sport and I was looking to, you know, pick up something new with my, my free time. And, um, you know, we were doing some strength training for, for that particular sport and i just i loved you know squatting and and deadlifting uh didn't really get into bench pressing until i was you know like more formally training in powerlifting um yeah and then so i, I got more interested in it um i i did some competitions i got um powerlifting coaching through sean collins of uh sincere powerlifting shout out to, to sean if, if you happen to see this um excellent coach um, and he pretty much familiarized me with, you know, the, 
the ways of powerlifting and yeah. Um, and then I, I guess I, I started working with, um, you know, similar athletes, I guess, just by being in that community, which I have to credit to, to Sean and, you know, other individuals that I met who were in the scene at the time. Um, at the time, I didn't really like set out to be a powerlifting specific uh, physical therapist. And even today, I don't know if I would necessarily label myself as such. Um, I like to think of myself as like a physical therapist who happens to powerlift and, and loves it. And um, like I said, like being in the community of, of like the New York City kind of like barbell community was, you know, very instrumental to kind of me getting into, you know, this, this niche. So uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I, um, I'm currently, you know, um, in my, my office at Squats and Science, the Williamsburg location. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, so I have space within uh, the Squats and Science gym. Um, previously, I had, you know, an office in Soho, which was great, but I really love being like kind of like the in-house physical therapist where, you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, strength athletes, so like strong men, like I mentioned before, weightlifters, powerlifters. And uh, it's been awesome. I've been here for about a year in this particular location. And um, yeah, and the rest, is, the rest is history. That's wild that you've already been there for a year. I remember when you were closing shop in Soho and I think I'm definitely healthier now that, I don't, that we don't work together in Soho because I'm not surrounded by all the amazing restaurants on Mulberry Street. Uh, have, you been back to, uh, have you been back to Parm at all in recent uh, months? I think I went there about like four or five months ago because I, I always try to tell everyone that spicy rotini hits different. Oh yeah, I haven't had that in a minute. I missed that. Uh, there's still yeah. time to get, uh, get it in before the end of 2021. That's true. I can't even remember the last time I had it. it was, I don't even know if it was in 2020. No, it was in 2020 because you treated me to, to lunch one time. So yeah, that was definitely it. I remember definitely having that brownie sundae, which they don't have anymore, uh, regrettably. That's off the menu? I think it's off the menu now, yeah. That's so sad. Oh, man. They got to bring that back. That was awesome. Yeah, there was nothing sweeter to get me over a breakup than a brownie from Parm. Uh. <laughs> that was sweet. But anyway, so you have a pretty successful business at Squats and Science in Williamsburg. Uh, you immerse yourself in the community now. When, from when you started as a physical therapist working with barbell athletes to now, have you noticed any changes in either your client's approach to rehab or their expectations and or recent advances or developments in the treatment of barbell athletes? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I've seen like a, a positive kind of change in, in the community over the past like several years, um, at least from what I can observe. Um, I would say around like when I first got started around like 2014 or so, um, I think there was a lot of like, again, this is just kind of like in my subjective personal experience, I, I came across a lot of like bro science and kind of like these old school narratives that I feel like don't really apply to, you know, what, what the current evidence says about injuries and, and musculoskeletal rehabilitation. Um, but, you know, that was what, that was seven years ago now. I think the amount of information that's available online, like through 
awesome organizations like uh, like Barbell Medicine, for example, jumps to mind. Uh, Clinical Athlete, which I was a member of for a long time, um, has really done a good job of disseminating information that you know dispels all those old narratives and and stuff that isn't true. And you know, again, something I love about like the powerlifting community is there when you love a hobby and a sport and you really dive into it, like you're looking at, you're like, do, you're not just like, you know, training a lot, you know, which is certainly the case, but you're like researching a lot, like really looking to, you know, improve every aspect of your, of, of your training, you know? And, and I think seeking out these sources that, that, uh, that I mentioned before have, have been like, really good at, at just kind of like dispelling those, those old narratives and stuff. Um, I also have to mention Level Up Initiative, which Jordan, I, knew, I know you were a mentor for, for um, you know, a couple of cohorts and which I later on became a cohort for. So I, I, for those of you who don't know what Level Up Initiative is, it's, um, it's this organization that was um, built to kind of help clinicians and physical therapists and healthcare providers um, just really have like this, this forward thinking, um, kind of approach to healthcare and to be like good critical thinkers. Um, and a, a lot of the work that the level up initiative has done is kind of like consistent with those other organizations that I mentioned, like clinical athlete, um, you know, barbell, uh, barbell medicine. And, uh, yes, I, I think organizations like that have really empowered clinicians and you, you see the difference too. Like I conversations that I'll have casually with people, like, you know, they'll, they'll talk about things that, you know, in 2014, 2015, I feel like it was, it was just kind of like niche, like, you know, conversation between amongst physical therapists. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like, you know, less, uh, just, just less of the, the BS, I guess, for lack of a better term, and, and a little bit more like kind of forward thinking and more like current concepts of, of, of rehab. Yeah, definitely. I have clients that question me often about different methods of barbell training. Like I'm sure you're familiar with West Side barbell training, but I remember I've gotten I had two clients like, "What do you think of that method of training?" So, you know, at the moment, it's really difficult to say like, "Well, if, if something works so well and it's better than the rest, and I think everybody would be doing it, you kind of have to do like a compare contrast pro and con situation, but." Clients are definitely more well-informed coming into treatment now. And if they're paying, you know, for both of us, it's cash-based or out of network, like it comes with a little bit more expectation to be able to have that uh, more intelligent next level dialogue with them. So I found that, I find that pretty interesting, but it also helps me uh, develop my craft and have to hit the books a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You said it like um, being in, the one-on-one like cash base or out of network models that we're in, like it, it kind of self-selects for people that are really willing to not only invest like financially into like a rehab session, but also like they, they, like you said, they do their homework. Like they come in with, you know, detailed questions. Um, they, a lot of times they read similar like blogs or they know of certain like research articles that once again, like I felt like only, you know, physical therapists and, and, clinicians kind of kind of talked about but um but yeah it, it definitely like you said it definitely sharpens us too like you, you gotta you know come correct when you know you're dealing with clients that really 
love what they do and, and they do all the research behind um, their sport. So, yeah. Sure. And I think this is a good time to transition into, so we're, we're both in the cash space and I, don't, I know a lot of people don't like to use that term cash space because most businesses in, in the world are cash based. I'd like to think not many of them rely on health insurance to pay the bills, but because more practices like ours are emerging, I've seen a lot of student physical therapists and entry level physical therapists starting to jump right into being business owners themselves. So if there are any younger PTs or personal trainers or any other allied, basically anyone who wants to start a business in healthcare and, and performance, uh, what are your thoughts for, or suggestions you might have for a younger uh, person who wants to get, get going with this? Yeah, so I, I feel like my answer to that has changed a couple of times over the past several years. You asked me this question, let's say seven to 10 years ago, I would have said like, don't do it right away. Pick up experience, um, work in certain settings where you can get your reps in, see a, a you know, a, a wide, you know, array of patients and diagnoses. Um, I still think there are obviously like lots of benefits to having that approach, but I think some people who are very entrepreneurial minded um, can be successful kind of going right into a private practice. Um, that being said, like, I, I think there's a lot. So when I went into private practice, which wasn't right away, it was kind of like four years after I graduated. Um, I, I think I took for granted, like, how much uh, just like all the benefits that I could have from working for an employer and like utilizing continuing education and like just using that time to learn as, as much as possible. Uh, because when you're, you know, a, a business owner, not only are you potentially having like a very large caseload and you're responsible for obviously de delivering excellent care, but like you're covering your own continuing education, right? Like if uh, I was fortunate enough to be married at the time that I went into private practice. So as far as health insurance went, like I'm fortunate that I was covered under my, my spouse's, uh, you know, plan. Um, and, you know, at the time I, I didn't really regard how much like back end behind the scenes work there is. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think People think it's like, oh, people look at it as, as going into business right away as like, they look at the final, you know, the, the, the amount of money that they're making, which, you know, it's obviously going to be a lot more if you have like a certain amount of clientele, but there's also a lot of things that you're giving up the luxury of having to, like those, like those things I mentioned. Um, yeah, but I, I think today certain people can certainly do it. Um, as long as they, they know like the opportunity cost of going into your own private business, like you might have to niche down, right? Like um, you may not see a diverse number of patients if you work in a particular setting. Like me, for example, like I, I work a lot of barbell athletes. I see a lot of like overuse injuries, like a lot of chronic pain, um, some acute injuries. Um, I still see a fair amount of like, you know, patients recovering from surgery, 
but not as much as I as I was like you know prior to going to my own business. And I I'm not gonna lie, like I like keeping that part of my 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 practice like kind of sharp. Um, so yeah, I think at the end of the day, you just got to know like what you want out of your career and uh, what it takes to, to get there. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I can always speak from my experience, but I think this uh, is uniform across the board. So I had the opportunity to start uh, my journey with Clinton as a, his employee. Uh, and that exposed me personally to more of the clientele that I was looking to work toward uh, independently. So I started to get exposure without the, I don't want to call it a burden, but it was, you know, the burden of running my own business and having to do all the recruitment for getting clients. So I was able to get my foot in the door and luckily I had a mentor like Clinton. I guess in some ways, it's still, I guess the mentorship never ends even though we're not uh, working together that closely anymore. But having someone show you the ropes, understand what it's like to operate in this model. Uh, so you don't have to dive head first. There are um, stepping stones to get it. I think working with Clinton was a good one for me. By the way, Clinton, are you still looking for somebody? Uh, I am. I've, I'm considering like a couple of people, which, of which I have to get back to. Then <laughs> that you remind me. Uh, that person actually emailed me today too. So. Um, but yeah, I, I am. Can I can I use this as an opportunity to uh, <laughs> to to advertise? Absolutely, I, I encourage. Yeah. So if you're in the New York City area, um, if you have preferably if you have three years of experience, I'm looking for someone to work on a like a per diem basis to kind of assist me with seeing patients in this location in um sorry in my Williamsburg location. Um, yeah, and just uh, just email me um good opportunity to grow within this practice to be if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with barbell athletes and have the autonomy to do what you want in a 60 minute you know period with a patient um this might be the job for you and uh yeah i'm looking to to grow to grow this role into a full-time position one day so Yes, that's, that's my that's my plug. That'll be my only plug for, for the uh, session. That's a great plug, and um, I have at least three of Clinton's shirts because I not only are they comfortable, but I enjoy working there so much. Uh, I don't want just to be like a, a Gaga fest for Clinton Lee and Physio Strength, but um, certainly a, a positive, more than positive step in my career, and I highly encourage people to jump on this opportunity. I, I think it's kind of. It's a rare opportunity that won't be there for long. Let me just say that. Thank you, anyway, man. Yeah, definitely. So we banter, we banter often about things that we've seen in rehab. I actually saw something yesterday about like a prescription that said no heavy lifting, no, like you have to sleep in the fetal position. This is where someone with a low back injury. And I was like, how far back, like, are we in the 80s telling people not to lift to have bed rest and you know with back injuries and stuff like that but what is like let's just talk about like a few common things that people are told not to do that probably might be healthy for them yeah so um you mentioned one of the big ones right like uh occasionally you'll see a prescription from 
a physician or an orthopedist or whatever it might be, like putting some sort of what, what we both know are kind of arbitrary restrictions on on uh, like exercise. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because like that kind of response just says like, oh, just, just stop doing any type of exercise and then you'll get better, which isn't necessarily the best approach. Um, I, in my, again, this is an anecdotal subjective experience, but like, you know, patients that tend to just lay off of everything and they don't, they're fearful of moving. Um, they get kind of fear mongered into thinking they might make things worse by like doing some sort of, of, of exercise or movement. But, you know, as, like, as, as you and I both know, like this, this is what we do. Like our, our job is to kind of find the right dosage of exercise to, you know, bring someone back from, from a painful state. Um, so I, it's, it is frustrating sometimes to hear like prescriptions and orders like that. Um, because it's, it just shows, it just reminds me of like the gap there is between not only like within the physical therapy community, but like between disciplines too. Like it's so hard to like, ha have you ever been in a situation where like someone comes in to see you, Jordan, with like, they're, they're hanging on to the words of an orthopedist or again, not orthopedist specific, but like any, any other healthcare provider and they're afraid and they're so caught up on that restriction that it's so hard to get them to do anything. And now you're, you're, you're trying to like sell them now when it's, you know, it, it just makes the job a lot harder. Yeah, definitely. It happens often where people either see a well-regarded physician in hospital for special surgery here in New York is a um, reputation and everything else that I speak about. But those individuals are definitely hard to affect change with, especially if it's like they've seen a bunch of physical therapists already who haven't helped out. Then it's it, it's like a climbing Mount Everest. Although I'm, I think I'm built for it, and I think you are too. Uh, and that challenge is something we embrace for sure. Yeah. I had I had a client recently. I'm actually in the process of writing a blog about this, but. He tore his ACL, he wants to walk his daughter down the aisle at the end of the year so he doesn't want to have surgery. And he's like working with a personal trainer who is studying like muscle activation technique or MAT. So it's like, I just value in that, but for someone who, whose goal is to restore knee extension and get his quad stronger, for someone who's like, I think you should do clamshells because clamshells will help stabilize your glute, which will help you while you're walking. I'm like, it's like maybe tertiary or fourth on the list of most important things where we don't have to, see people, we have to isolate certain muscle groups. We have to squeeze our core and do all this stuff where I think there's a time and place for all those things to happen. There's no, I think that's one of the things that people fail to realize is that just because theoretically one thing might help something else is not always the case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and I, I think personal trainers can be like a helpful alliance in the overall care of someone. But when someone has like an acute injury like that, especially like a like something like an ACL tear, um, like the timeline is is crucial to to regain like certain things and. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating to hear, I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but 
Oh, maybe it is. Uh, it, yeah, it's frustrating that, you know, I, I feel like physical therapy, like going to a physical therapist should be at the, the forefront of, of, of that person's, you know, mind, you know, and uh, sometimes it isn't, unfortunately. Wow, mu muscle activation. I haven't heard about that in like, like 10 years. Like, I feel like a lot of Equinox trainers used to have it, or maybe they still do. I, I guess I don't really, man, I, I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, there's a lot of things. I'm sure there's a bunch of rolfers still out there somewhere, and uh, yeah, it's starting to die out. But um, I know there, I know that like Feldenkrais still exists in in certain places, and you get a bunch of people walking like they're holding a walnut in their ass cheeks. <laughs> I actually don't mind Feldenkrais that much. At least like the people that I've seen that it, with like a performing arts background that like have had some experience with Feldenkrais, like only in the sense, like the reason why I like it is because they, they have like good awareness of their body. And again, I have a small sample size of people that I've worked with who have had like Feldenkrais experience, but like they're, they're at least like, they're, they're aware, but they're not super sold into like some sort of underlying like BS narrative, like, like Rolfing, for example, like I, I I, I feel like the the whole, you know, 12 sessions of rolfing and then so we can address like, you know, these objectives, like you, you have to ne necessarily do 12 because this is what rolfing does. I'm like, that's such a transparent, like sales pitch to me, you know, so. Yeah, um, I feel that. But um, I'm also a big component for not having podcasts at one hours and hours because people probably fall asleep. What I definitely want people to to get from this, you know, you work a lot with barbell athletes, but how about if someone in general is on a mission, uh, they're recovering from injury and they want to achieve some fitness goal of any sort, whether it's to lose weight or get more tone or compete in powerlifting, what would you say would be like one of the major takeaways, one of the key points into uh, being successful on that journey? Um, I would say be in it for the long haul, right? Um, I, sometimes I, I hate to use the cliche, but, um, I think certain cliches are, are cliches because they, they're, they're true and there's like some sort of fundamental truth to it. So, uh, think of like your, your, your health as this long-term investment. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? Even if you get better, like, a fraction of a percent like in a, in a given week or something right it might feel extremely slow and ultimately your end goal may be to hit like you know this number on a back squat and you're fo you're focused on that number and it's it's a hard kind of approach to take i think because um it, it's i feel like it's more beneficial sometimes to have like these process oriented goals and to just kind of fall in love with the, the process of, of getting better little by little. So um, it's much easier said than done, but I think patience and being, you know, long-term minded will, uh, will, will lead you to success. And there's delayed gratification in it and it'll be worth it. Um, something that I, I try to tell a lot of people, whether they're patients or fellow clinicians that, that work out, it's like, you know, you're, God willing, like we're, we're going to be training for like 
the rest of our lives as, as, is, as much as is physically possible, right? So like if you get a fraction of a percent better, like every, I don't know, several months until you're whatever it might be, like 70 years old or something, like just think about the, the, the benefits you'll get over that long term. So yeah, so just be patient, treat it like a marathon, delay gratification, and uh, just put in the work. I'm doing the uh, snaps of approval. Nice. I'm into it. I'm into it. And um, yeah, I, I, I miss chopping it up with you more often. We, we have some good conversations and um, definitely going to continue the Instagram banter and sharing of thoughts and ideas for sure. But yeah. say somebody wants to take you up on your opportunity to work with you or wants to ask you any questions about uh, rehab, powerlifting, your daughter, uh, where would be the best place to reach you? Yeah, thanks. Um, you can email me at uh, clinton at physiostrengthnyc.com. Um, yeah, just shoot me an email and uh, I'd, I'd love to, to meet with you and network with you and, you know, see if you're, you're the right fit. Um, yeah, let's, let's do it. All right. Uh, do you have any parting words for the, the world, Clinton? Ooh, I don't know. I have some parting words for you. What, what are you up to later? Say it's Friday. Do you have any plans? <laughs> uh, um, not really. Not particularly. I might. Uh, so I'm, I got, I do capoeira, as you know, so maybe I'll play my, uh, my bedding bell a little bit, practice playing my instrument. Uh, I, my nose is healing, so I feel more confident. Um, I don't know if you knew as I broke my nose last week. I did not know that. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, it was broken by somebody's elbow, even though it was like my fault, technically. Um, so yeah, I had like a little bit of yellow stuff building up on the side of my eyes. If it's any consolation, like I did not notice at all. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I hope it gets better like that. Yeah. That's what happens when you keep your nose in other people's business, wink, wink. <laughs> if, it, if, if someone didn't know who was the father, I'm sure people would guess it was me with my dad jokes. You, you got your nose, just to confirm, you got your bro nose broken during practice, right? During training. Yeah, not a, game, training. Not, a, not, okay. a game, not a game practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, I'm glad it wasn't like in a bar or something or on the street. He said someone's elbow hit you. <laughs> no, no. Although that would, I mean, if I had my nose broken, but then I gave it to somebody really good, then maybe that would have been a better story. But... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad that's not the story. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we have today, beautiful people. I again want to thank Clinton for his time and insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>